love Judge Judy too. I didn't know that show was still on though. I thought that was like my childhood. It's my childhood because it's like I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons, so I had to watch The Judge. How's everybody doing today? Hey, well, welcome. Welcome to Eastside City Church. My name is Michael. Uh, I work in the Youth and Young Adults Department here at Eastside City Church, and we, we are so glad that you are here. If you have your Bible, can you open up to 1 Samuel chapter 1? 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to kind of be looking at that a little bit. We're going to be jumping all over. Welcome to our Summer of Champions series, and we'll kind of dive into that and unfold a little bit of that today. But I want to want kind of open with this story and in 1 Samuel chapter 1 we we have the birth of Samuel we have the birth of Samuel which is an interesting story cuz uh, his mom Hannah had a had a really hard time conceiving had a really hard time becoming pregnant and so much so that if you read the beginning part of this chapter it just goes through her agonizing process where uh, she's really crying out to God she's frustrated at her circumstances frustrated at what's happening at one point, she finds herself uh, uh, just kneeling down on the temple floor, and she's praying. And the priest comes over and is just kind of like, hey, what's going on, woman? Like, get, get your act together here. And she's like, no, you, you have to understand. I, I, I'm, I want a child, and I'm unable to have a child. And I've, been, I've been promising God. I mean, I've made all sorts of things. I thought I've done things right. Uh, I mean, I was going to church. I was tithing. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was doing everything that a good Christian woman is supposed to do. But here I am. I don't have a child. And they, the priest begins to talk and says, hey, I think God's going to hear your prayer. And, but, but in verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. So in the course of time. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Uh, if, you, if you have a, a real Bible in front of you, uh, you might want to highlight that, or you can tap it and make a little note there. But let me pray before we go any further. Father God, I thank you that we get this opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for worship. Thank you that you are in control. So Lord, as we dive into today's topic, as uncomfortable and un unpleasant as it may be, God, we just surrender our desires and our will for your will, God, and we thank you for this. In your precious name, amen. Amen. In the course of time. It's kind of a frustrating phrase, don't you think? Like, like could you imagine if people went around answering your questions with, well, in the course of time? Hey, boss, when, when am I going to get paid? Well, in the course of time. Well, in the course of time, maybe I'll do some work for you. Or, or imagine you're, you're a student there and you're working on your school and the, you, hey, it's, it's pop quiz. Okay, how much time do we have? Well, in the course of time, I'll tell you when time is up. Well, how, is that like 15 minutes? Is that 30 minutes? Could you, could you imagine if we had those types of things? It's so vague. Is it, is it one year? Is it 90 days? Do you get a 30-day money-back guarantee? All, all these things in the course of time, it's just so, so open-ended. And I can't help but wonder what that was like for Hannah in this situation. Well, in, in the course of time, she became pregnant. And that's nice for us. But I wonder how she felt in the course of time. 
How did she feel when she was thinking, is it time yet, God? And he was just like, well, don't worry. Eventually, they're going to say, in the course of time. (laughs) Yes, but I want it right now. Now is the time. Well, today, today I have some good news. This may be your least favorite message this year. I mean, if this was a podcast and you saw what it was about, you'd, you'd skip it, no doubt. I mean, we're, we're going to be going into some things, and chances are you, you're going to be listening to this, and, and you're going to want to maybe zone out. Chances are you, you might even receive a phone call that you're going to need to take any moment and walk out. Well, whatever it is, there's going to be some uncomfortable things. In fact, you might even begin to listen to these words and say, oh, yes. I know exactly who this is for. And you're beginning to think through everybody else who this message is for except you. I know because that's how I am as well. It's, it's uncomfortable. We're going to kind of dive into this stuff, but this, this is important. And as much as we, we might want to put it off, as much as we might want to give ourselves a passing grade and say, well, we can, we're good enough in this area. I want us to lean into the discomfort of what we're going to talk about today. I want us to begin to to realize the strength that it can bring, that what God wants to do in our life through these situations. I believe it's a message for our culture and our time with our obsession with ourself. So I I got a picture. Uh, Do we have have the picture that we we can kind of show up there if we have it? Are we good? Maybe not. Okay. Before you marry someone, you should first make them use a computer with slow internet to see who they really are. Today, we're going to talk about patience. We're going to talk about patience. Come on. Of all the weeks we could have missed over the summer and we came on the week of patience. Come on. I don't have time for that. Ah, I told you we should have gone camping this week, honey. Should have gone to the Baptist church down the streets. Well, we, uh, we're going to get into this. And here's the thing. Patience, patience is, not the, uh, is not the ability to wait because we all have to wait at some point. Patience is really how you act while you're waiting. How you act while you're waiting. <laughs> the, the King James Version says this. They, they say, uh, long-suffering. That may be pretty accurate. Long suffering. Uh, that that's kind of kind of sounds like a prison sentence. Sounds like torture. That's what uh, lineups feel like on the weekend. That, that's what a road trip feels like when uh, you need to go to the washroom and you're not driving and you just pass recent rest stop and you're you're like I need to go now. That's that's long suffering right there. Long suffering is what students felt like before summer break as they're counting down the days. And long suffering is what parents feel right now as they're counting down the end of summer to bring their kids back to school. Long suffering that that's, that's what those who are near retirement are feeling. Ah, I'm so close. Patience. Long-suffering. Well, Warren Wearsby, a theologian, describes patience as courageous endurance without quitting. Courageous endurance without quitting. Uh, I like online shopping. Anybody do any online shopping here? Yeah, maybe you're into, you're into that. Okay, we, we got a couple people. 
I've been getting it. I love online shopping. And it's come such a long ways. I mean, I'm glad. I remember, I remember being a kid and you would order something, usually like from a catalog or something. And you would, they, they would ship it to you and they wouldn't tell you like what specific date. They would give you like a year that it would be coming to you. It was like at some point in the next three to four months, you will receive your package. And we've come so long. I mean, nowadays you go online and, and you're like, what? I can't get one day express shipping? Ah, I guess I can wait two or three days. I mean, it is coming across the world to my house. I guess, I guess I can wait. You know what I love about online shopping is I, is I love being able to track your package. Anybody else loves tracking your package? I love being able to just see, like, I, get, I, I admit, I get probably too emotionally involved in my online shopping, okay? But I'm there, and you're, like, excited, because it's almost like a Christmas gift, because you're like, well, this is kind of what I want, but I don't really know what it's like, because it's on the screen, and I, who knows what's really going to come? Where is it going to come in a bag, a box? Who knows? It's so exciting. So finally, you, like, ship it, and then you get the notification saying that your package is shipped, and you're like, yes, it's going to arrive, and then, and then you kind of watch it. And you, you ever get to that point where, where it, like, never moves? It ships. And then it just sits there for days. And you're like, no, I'm genuinely concerned about my package right now. Maybe they're lost. Or better yet, it's just flying all over the world. Like, it's like it was in Florida last week. Now it's in L.A. Then it's, it's over in Washington and Seattle, Toronto, B.C. Then it's up in Edmonton. You're like, come on, you can just make it here to my house. Just drop it over when you're flying. Just come on. Want my package now. I knew I should have done overday shipping. Ah, oh, an extra two bucks. I, I know, I told you, I'm probably too emotionally involved in my online shopping, but it's in those moments that I realize just how impatient I am. How impatient, how, I, and, and the worst is when it goes there and they just give you that wide open date of, well, it's going to come anytime between August and September. Could be October, we're not really sure. Like back ordered, all this stuff. Patience. It seems like we wait for, for a lot of things, don't we? Uh, I read online that over the course of our lifetime, the average person will spend about five years waiting in lines of some sort. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Six months of that is going to be spent in traffic. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm feeling you. And, and so no wonder that we have these moments where we become impatient. We wait to have children. Then we wait for our children. Then you wait for your children to move out of your house. You, you wait to go to college. Then you wait to have your dream job from college. Then you can't wait to take vacation from your dream job. You wait for retirement. Then you're in retirement and you're waiting and you don't even know what you're waiting for anymore. Just waiting. And you're just rushing all the time. I don't even know why we're rushing anymore. We wait in food lines, grocery lines, then we purchase line, then the return line to return what we just purchased. We go online, try and save time, but then we just use up all our free time. Just waiting all, all the time. So no wonder we're trying to rush. We're trying to like, man, I want those five years back. Come on, I need to go a little faster because that's just precious time. It's patience, courageous. Endurance. 
Well, I think we have uh, all of those things are, are part of patience. Man, those are going to be included today, and they are a part of it. I think that there's something that is a little more significant for those of us in the Christian community when we come and we are praying to God, and we're praying for that answer, and we're doing everything right. And so my question is, what, what do we do when we are waiting for God? If you're, you're in that traffic line, you, you just know you're in the wrong lane. You just move out of that lane and you keep going because you've timed it. And you know which lane to be in when. But what about when you have to wait for God? Can't, can't bypass him. And you're there. You did everything right. I mean, you're praying on your knees. You're, just, you're going for it. You're praying the, the prayer of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jabez. And you're praying uh, up. You're just praying standing up. You're praying laying down. You're praying sitting down, upside down, all these different ways. You're, you're praying without ceasing. You're praying the Psalms. You're, you're making sure you're praying with faith. You're praying with gratitude. You're saying, thanking God. You're praising God. I mean, all these things. You're making sure there's no sin in your life. Make sure there's no sin in your spouse's life. You're, you're anointing your kids with oil, trying to redeem your cat and dog. I mean, all these things. God, just give me an answer. Children, quiet. God's trying to speak to me. In the course of time, what? Is that, is that the best we can do? It's not easy waiting in the, in the best of circumstances. It's a lot more difficult when things aren't going so well. It's difficult when the, the bills are due. It's easy when there's still money in the bank account. It's difficult when the bill's overdue. It's difficult waiting for God. Oh, it might not be too difficult waiting for God when you're still young and you're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, but it, it's difficult when you're older. And you see all your, kid, all your friends are, are married off and they're having kids. It's difficult maybe when you, you're looking out and you're seeing how, how much further along some of your other friends are in life. And you're thinking, well, shouldn't I be there? Shouldn't I get to that point? It's difficult. Difficult having patience. Difficult being honest in your work, in your taxes. When you look at other people and they've been promoted and they've been given raises and they never got caught. Nothing bad ever happened to them. Courageous endurance without quitting. I just think we need patience like never before. We need to be able to just hone in and say, hey, we, all right, God, you got this. Because the typical solution, typical solution to patience is that we can just find what we want somewhere else. Well, I wanted a burger over here, but they're closed, so I'm going to go to some place that is 24-hour drive through Find it somewhere else. Or, or the other thing that we can do is, is that we compromise sometimes. Well, I really wanted that, but we'll, we'll just let's go over here and I can have this instead. I really wanted that job, but I think this one, this one will do. We, we, could, we could do it 100%, but that's yeah, good enough. Or worse yet, worse yet, we just become apathetic to it. I didn't, I didn't really want that anyways. Ah, no big deal. Ah, working with, with students, I see this quite often. I see this when you have a student come in and you can see the desire they have for affirmation, for that approval from a father or a mother. And all of a sudden, you're, you're trying to talk to them and you're trying to work things out. And they're like, yeah, you know, I just, 
I don't really need it anyways. It's no, no big deal. It's like, no, like, this is really important. Well, no, it's, it's whatever. I think, I think God really has something here for you. Well, maybe, but I, I just, I'm not willing to wait. And it happens so often. Ask, you, ask yourself a question, and uh, your spouse probably already knows the answer to this. Do you consider yourself a patient person? Do you consider yourself? Who would you give yourself a passing grade? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe a passing grade, right? Like if, if we're at least like 50%, 50%. You know, but if you're going to one of those strict schools where it's like 80% and above, you're like, I don't know if it's a passing grade there. I, I don't know. We're, how are you doing in that area? As we start our, our Summer of Champions series today, I, I was thinking about how important it is for, for someone who is a champion, for that, uh, that elite athlete, that professional in their training and as they're competing, as they're, they're watching the, what they're scheduled, they're making sure they get enough sleep, they're watching their diet, that, that how much patience comes into play in all of that. How sweet that victory is when they get to that place where they've won and they, look, they can look back and say, man, I'm so glad I never quit. I'm so glad that I endured in the tough times. So today, hey, that's, that's what this is about. So that when we finish, we can finish well. And we can finish by saying, yeah, I'm so glad I didn't quit. And I received the prize that was set before me. As we look at patience, the opposite is not impatience. It's really selfishness. It's really selfishness. And I, I want to look at a story, another story in the Bible about a, a character named Ruth. She has a mother-in-law named Naomi. And uh, here's a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't got there, if you haven't read the book named Ruth, uh, she gets married and lives happily ever after. She marries Boaz. And uh, if, you're, if you're there, you don't need to necessarily turn, although if you're in 1 Samuel, it's, it's pretty much one book over, and so you, you can be pretty quickly just swipe on over there if you'd like to. But uh, I'm going to kind of just give a rundown here because uh, it's four chapters long, and I thought we could read it all together today, but, I mean, who has patience for that, right? So <laughs> we haven't got through the message yet. <clears throat> so let's, we'll, we'll paraphrase. We'll paraphrase and go through there. It seems like a pretty open and closed story. You know, Ruth and Boaz get married. Naomi's the mother-in-law. Everybody's happy. They're cheering. But there's a lot more that meets the eye to this story. There's a, there's a lot more involved. And I want to kind of dive into some of this. And if you're familiar with it, hey, it's just going to be a recall. And if, you've, if you're here and maybe you've never read the story of Ruth, you're unfamiliar, hey, that then lean in a little bit here. And th this is kind of what happened. Uh, Naomi had a husband, and they moved to a foreign country. There's a lot that could be said there. But they moved to a foreign country, and they have two, she has two sons, and her sons get married. and They're, they're living the life. They're having a good time. When uh, all of a sudden, her husband dies. Naomi's husband dies. Well, that, that's, that's rough. That's a bad day, but she still has two sons, and they, they have wives. And so, okay, hey, we can, we can keep going. She's, she's a little bit older, so she probably was expecting it in some sense, and so it wasn't a big surprise. But then, uh, then her two sons die. 
And we aren't given any context as to why. We don't know what happened. Was this, you know, what happened? Was this disease? Was it just old age? We don't know. And apparently the Bible doesn't seem it's important for us to know. They just kind of graze over it. They're like, the husband died and two sons die. All right, let's get into the, the real meat of the story. And that's, that's significant because here's, here's what happens is that Naomi is in a foreign country where she really has no rights. Back in those days, I mean, nowadays we could say women have plenty of rights. And so if your husband were to pass away, hey, you, your property, your mortgage, your house, your vehicles can all be in your name. They, they, everything can kind of just be thrown back at you. And so it, it, as much as it could be devastating to you, from like what you own, from that standpoint, from the legal standpoint, you're going to be okay. You're going to be given some things. Uh, but back then, everything was in the man's name. And women didn't own property. In some cases, they were considered property. And while I, we don't agree with that today, uh, it's, it was the reality of back then. And so here she is. She, she has no sons. She has no husband. And so they have, they have really nothing. And so Naomi gets to this place where she just tells her, her daughter-in-laws, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm giving up on life. I'm calling it quits. I'm packing it up. I'm going home to my home country. And uh, that's, I'm just going to go there and die. It's kind of my plan. And uh, one of the daughter-in-laws, they kind of head off. And, but, but Ruth, Ruth sticks it out. And she says something kind of important there. And I believe it's in verse 15. Ruth says this, uh, starting in verse 15. It says, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to return back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. It's an important, important piece there that Ruth was declaring that I'm going to follow your God. I, I don't know what, what's going to happen in this situation, but I'm going to follow you. And that was, that was a huge step. I mean, for us watching the story and we're kind of reading it and we're kind of, we're far removed from the, the dialogue of this story. It kind of reads like, okay, no big deal. She's, she's sticking with the old lady. Well, way to go. Way to stick with the old lady and not leave her to fend for herself. But when you think about this, this is a bad decision. This is a bad call. You are leaving your home country to go to the foreign land with the old lady who just plans on dying. That's like, like nobody in the business world is going to be like, that's, that's a solid business plan. That's a great proposition. No, don't go with the old haggard lady who's given up on life. Try and start a new life in your hometown that you are familiar with. But she goes because she, she trusts in God. And she's willing to be patient and have that courageous endurance without quitting. And so at that point, wouldn't it be great if it was like, and everybody lived happily ever after. But things go from bad to worse. Now they're in a foreign land, well, Naomi's homeland. And, uh, and now they're homeless. And now they're scavenging for food. They're literally going into the fields of farmers where they've already uh, harvested the fields and, and they are gathering whatever scraps are left so that they can try and make some food so that they don't starve. And along the way, they happen to stumble into the field of Boaz. 
And long story short, they begin to have some conversations. And that's, that's kind of cool. And they, they end up getting married. But they needed something, someone called a, a kinsman redeemer. And Boaz happened to be the relative to Naomi. And this was important. This was crucial. I know it's not, it's not very exciting right now. I know it's, oh, Michael, I'm on the edge of my seat here. Tell me more. No, but this is important because Boaz was the relative and was the male relative who would be able to have all of the property. Everything would be able to go into his name, and then he would be able to pass things on. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and so Boaz does. They get married, and they go from there. And there's, uh, there's this passage. We'll read that in Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, and I think we have it up on the screen. Here we go. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Hmm. Hmm. Some of you are saying, hmm, because you're like, oh, I think I recognize some of those names. Some of you are like, I don't recognize those names at all. It's okay, because I'll fill you in. It's interesting, because even though right now we can kind of sit back and say, well, good for you guys. You had a happily ever ending. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't sure there for a while, but, you know, I'm just really glad. You know, Hollywood can, can really make a film out of this now. We can go home and have some chicken. But, but no, if we, if we listen in on this, it actually impacts our life because if you head over, you head over to Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament, you get to one of those other boring places. You can read these to put yourself, your kids to bed if you want. It's a genealogy. You ever read those? Reading the old King James, it's like so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. And even in the modern translation, it's not that much better. It's like so-and-so was the father and so-and-so, so-and-so was the father and so-and-so. And you're just like, I don't recognize any of these names. I can't even pronounce most of these names. But, uh, but there it is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Interesting that Rahab was the mother of Boaz. Which I just, I just kind of wonder, I wonder if that's maybe why Boaz had a bit of a soft spot for Ruth and Naomi. Because of his own mom's experience. She has an interesting story as well. Then you go on, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And you're like, oh, King David, yeah, I recognize that guy. David and Goliath, yeah, that's a great story, that's good, yeah. He did, he did a lot of crazy things, mighty warrior, becomes the king. But then you keep going, and you, you can get to the place as far as verse 16, and then it goes, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. So what, what we're talking about is that Ruth has this moment of courageous endurance. What extraordinary things can happen in our life when we're just willing to not give up, when we're willing to not quit. So because she, she has that patience, she goes through and she becomes part of the genealogical line of Jesus, the Messiah of the world, a foreigner that would have otherwise been excluded. And she's redeemed. Much like we need a redeemer in our life. Just like we need somebody to come in and take our place and step in and, 
and say, hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take care of things here. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but the people who've been impatient to me in my life, I, I might remember with a bit of a grudge, and then I won't drink the poison. But, but I, I remember with, with vivid memory the people who've been patient in my life, the people who've extended more grace than they needed to. Patience. Courageous endurance without quitting. Can I ask you today, can, can this be our question? What situation or person in your life requires some patience? What, what situation? Is there a situation that maybe you've even given up on and God, even right now, is just kind of saying, you know what, I know you wanted to give up on that situation. You wanted to, you wanted to pass it up. But hey, Courageous endurance. Don't give up on, on it yet. If it, it could be purity. It could be at your schoolwork. It could be at work. It could be your attitude at work. It could be your kids. <sighs> Come on, God. Help me to have patience with my children. I mean, I know I'm going to survive. I don't know if they will. Man, that person at work, that, that is extra grace, extra, extra grace required. God, give me patience with that person. How about just always feeling like you're rushing through the day? I'm rushing here, I'm rushing. I wake up, I get out of bed and just rush, 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 rush. And God's just like, hey, just slow things down a bit. What would patience look like in that situation? Paul in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he had his own encounter where he needed patience. And in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 to 10, he says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired, despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us, in verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Our endurance is not set in the foundation of what we are capable of of bearing. It's set on him who is able to raise the dead. And you might be here tonight and there might be parts of you where you've kind of just given up. Parts where you've just kind of quit. And if we were to say figuratively, metaphorically, they, they are dead. And Paul here, he, he says, even those, he, he raises the dead. He's not just talking about literal terms, although Jesus certainly wrote, rose from the dead. He's talking about, hey, there are some of you who've given up on places. You've given up on areas of following Christ, given up on people, given up on relationships, given up on reconciliation, given up on unity, given up on peace, given up on, on faith, hope, and love. But hey, hold on, because on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What's going to be your in the course of time? When, when we finish up, 
in, in your life and we're writing out the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and we get to that spot where we, we've written out so many things of your life. And, and we get to put, and in the course of time, just insert your name there. And in the course of time, he, she, in the course of time, he was a man of integrity and he never gave up. And in the course of time, she never quit praying and her prayers just rung through the halls of heaven. And in the course of time, their marriage grew stronger. And in the course of time, the right person came along. And in the course of time, God honored their integrity, their character, their faithfulness. That may be the single most important statement you take away today is that this week as you're going along and you're thinking, oh yeah, I need patience. God help me so that my, in the course of time, is gonna be positive. It's gonna work. I haven't begun to think about what that would look like for our church community as we talk about becoming church together. And in the course of time, did we get closer? Did we grow together? Did we lift each other up? Did we bring in others from the outside? Did, did we evangelize? Did we reach out? Did we build up those that were young in faith? Did we, did we honor those who were mature in faith? In the course of time, what, what's our response to that? Let me close with praying. Let's just, let's just take a moment. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to say, God, where are you speaking to me about this? For each one of us, it's going to be different. But Father God, would you open up our hearts and our minds, God? Would we just be ready and willing to be patient? Yeah, that's a scary prayer because you might just follow through with it. God, I, I pray that as we look at wanting to, to become closer, to become more mature in our faith and closer to you, God, would we have ah, patience and endurance, a courageous endurance that would endure until we see you.